I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Rays Stadium Project in Ybor City is dead. That's right. What does it mean for the Rays in Tampa Bay? We'll hear from Stuart Sternberg, uh, who will talk about that. And, and we'll also talk about a tersely written letter to Tampa Bay by Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. And a year ago, the Bucks were 4-9, and nine, and it looked like Dirk Cutter wouldn't survive. Well, what's changed? We'll ask Tom Jones, the columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, about all of that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay in just a minute. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you ready for a magical day on the river with some manatees? I've done this before. I'm telling you, it should be on your bucket list, but it's a great event for the kids. If so, seven days a week. You can experience the wonder and the magical charm with Captain Mike swimming with the manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. Ask about the 30-day manatee bronze tour and be sure to ask about their free offer for active law enforcement officers and U.S. military. That requires a purchase of two silver tickets at the regular price. After that, you're eligible for a free tour. Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company in Kings Bay, Crystal River. It's beautiful up there. It's pure paradise. Ask about the pontoon boat rentals, the kayak rentals, the bicycle rentals, and so much more. Book online now at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352-571-1888. Okay, Tom Jones joins us now. And, Tom, uh, big news out of Las Vegas at the uh, baseball winter meetings out there. Mark Tompkin uh, with a story in today's Tampa Bay Times. Stuart Sternberg, the Rays' principal owner, uh, has said that the, the plan to build the stadium there in Ybor City uh, is just not viable. In December of 2015, we collaborated with the city of St. Petersburg on an agreement to allow us to explore ballpark sites throughout the Tampa Bay region. That agreement provided a very generous three-year window. It was a very important step in our long-standing pursuit of a new home for the Rays, something we've been trying to do uh, for over 10 years, and uh, I've started, I took over the team in 2005, and it really was one of our, our main initiatives from the beginning. Unfortunately, that window is closing without us achieving that goal. While the momentum and progress are real, we're not close at all to a workable framework. As Commissioner Manfred noted in his response to Hillsborough County, fundamental issues have yet to be adequately addressed. These include, among other things, site control, political approvals, private investor commitments, cost and timing and uh, timing certainty. We've spent thousands of hours and many millions of dollars to make our vision of an Ebor ballpark a reality. A ballpark that would bring the excitement of Major League Baseball, <coughs> excuse me, would bring the excitement of Major League Baseball and stimulate an energetic and engaged community in Ebor City and the surrounding area. The result certainly wasn't due to a lack of effort by any of the parties involved. And why I am wildly disappointed by the result, I'm not discouraged. Government officials as well as business and community leaders across Tampa Bay came together on this, particularly Chuck Sykes, Ron, and their 2020 coalition. I want to thank everyone who's been a part of this project, especially the Ebor community, who welcomed us with open arms. I want to also thank our partners in St. Petersburg and Pinellas County, particularly Mayor Rick Kreisman, for their support as we considered locations these past three years across Tampa Bay. I'm firmly committed to helping the Rays remain and thrive in Tampa Bay for decades and generations to come. Major League Baseball is a large part of what defines Tampa Bay as a Major League region, and I continue to be enthusiastic about finding a way forward. This is not the announcement I expected to make, yet it's a very promising time for our franchise. I believe the Rays fans and supporters are very proud of their team and organization. We're fresh off a 90-win season, a quite improbable 90-win season, as many of you uh, might have expected before last year. And I'm extraordinarily excited for the start of the 2019 season and very optimistic for what the years ahead will bring. What we try to do is make magic with, with Rays baseball and engage the community. 
and we're going to continue to do that on a day-to-day basis. Commissioner Rob Manford came out with sort of a, a damning letter, if you will, uh, <laughs> criticizing you know the whole plan for not having any kind of financing details. Um, he really didn't know what he could lend to the whole situation. So I guess we're back to square one, but the, but this is not a good development for Tampa Bay baseball fans. Not at all. And and back to back to square one, which is like square zero. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, what are we talking about here, Rick? We have no place to for the Rays to go to, no way for to pay for it. Um, we're not even we can't even come into agreement about, you know, which, which side of the bay it's going to be on at this point. I, everybody liked this idea of Ybor City. I think Ybor City liked the idea. Hillsborough County liked the idea. The Tampa Bay Rays liked the idea. Fans certainly liked the idea. But you and I have said this all along. I, I need to see two things. I need somebody to write a check, and I need somebody mm-hmm. to put a shovel on the ground. And until one of those two things happen, I wasn't convinced that either was going to end up happening in the long run. And that's where we are, Rick. Like Everybody wants a stadium here, but who wants to pay for it? And that's uh, that's the situation that we're in right now. Well, and now, you know, after uh, spending, I guess, you know, I mean, they went to some trouble. I, I know their drawings, architectural drawings, whatever, some studies over there. I mean, there was – a business uh, group that got together, Raise 2020 or whatever it was called, um, to try to, uh, you know, get gain corporate support. But that seems to be, I mean, you know, it's one thing to say, to, to identify a location and even um, maybe get some government officials behind you. But you're right about the financing. I mean, that that's when the rubber meets the road. And, Tom, there doesn't seem to be enough corporate support universally here in Tampa Bay to kind of make this happen without Sternberg committing a heck of a lot more money than and he seems to be sort of on a sliding scale with this thing so i mean if they're going to leave you know there, there's no no plans to leave i don't believe before the end of the 2027 season which they have agreement at the trop but already you know they they couldn't even th- if they had a deal someplace now you know the idea of starting a new ballpark by 2023 is over he's saying now it would be at least 2024 and i would think that you know in a few years the rays are going to have to know where they're going to be when they walk out of the trop and there's going to have to be a place for them to go so how soon before Stuart sternberg even though he says he's committed to tampa bay starts talking to other cities i think it's i wouldn't be surprised if he's talking to him now rick and i'm not trying to be like you know a fatalist here i'm i'm just looking at the, at the reality of the situation and somebody else mentioned this to me too that well they're here through 2027 and i said why and so I said, well they got a lease i'm like that lease means it. nothing man yeah i yeah. mean Robert Ursay had a lease, I bet, when he left Baltimore, and and <laughs> Art Modell had a lease when he left Cleveland. The lease, uh, lease is the wor- the least of your problems. And as you mentioned, Rick, as you just pointed out uh, in in your comments a few moments ago, is they can't you can't wait till the end of the twenty twenty seven season and say okay we're going to build a ballpark in Ebor. Like <laughs> it's going to take three or four years to to build this thing. So look, it just feels all the world to me like. All this groundwork is being laid. And I'm not – look, I haven't talked to Stu Sternberg about this. I haven't talked to anybody truly in the know about this. It's just gut feeling on my part. But it really does feel to me like Stu Sternberg has laid all the groundwork that he can to if he eventually goes to Major League Baseball and said, look, this isn't working, we got to move it. They He will have checked all the boxes that you have to check before Major League Baseball would say, okay, we'll let you leave and let you go somewhere else. He's tried to build a stadium in, in Pinellas. He's tried to build it down by Al Lang's site. He got pushed back on that. He's now been been given permission to talk to Hillsborough County, talk to them. That didn't work out. Now he's going to go – presumably he's going to come back to Pinellas County and talk to, to them again. Um, I, I just – I don't know what else he's supposed to do, and I'm not necessarily taking – Stu Sternberg's side on this, maybe he could have done more somewhere along the way. But, Rick, it, it just feels to me like if he does decide to move this team at some point, it would be hard to to lay out a case on, on like he didn't do enough. It feels like he's done a lot, at least, like I said, checked all the boxes, maybe in a shrewd way he did it, to say, okay, it's not working here, i got to move. Well, I mean, when he bought the team, um, he obviously knew where they played, but he says that they've they've been at this now for like 15 years. Um, they've only got a few years left. I don't know how seriously they, you know, they pursued a new stadium, but it's been talked about, and, and, and certainly you know, they had to deal with St. Petersburg first. It was three years ago they got permission from St. Petersburg to look elsewhere, in, in, in meaning Hillsborough County, and that was a big hurdle, as you know. Um, so, I mean, now it feels like this is going to be up to really the city of St. Petersburg. I don't see Hillsborough County 
as a viable option anymore. I, I don't see unless they well, were what's going to gonna be the next interesting step, Rick, is that I would think that there might be enough momentum in Hillsborough County, or maybe they have done enough work on the Ebor City site where they want to sort of continue the talks and and try to figure out a little bit more financing. But now they're they're going to need permission from St. Pete to raise will to do to that, continue right? those talks again with yeah. Hillsborough County, and there has been enough noise on. And I live in Pinellas County, and I know some of the people involved, including you know Charlie Gertis, city councilman, yeah. um, who said, "Okay, well, like we've let you talk to the Hillsborough County, and you haven't been able to work it out. Now you got to go back in. Now there's a financial cost to it. Now you're going to have to pay us to let you talk. Now, I'm not saying that's what he's going to. De- they're definitely going to do, but certainly St. Pete's going to say, "Well, look, there's there's a price to this. You just can't keep holding us hostage, and we can't be your fallback plan whenever things don't work out." So. I think the next step, the next problem is going to have, if you want to continue conversations with Hillsborough County, you're going to have to deal with St. Pete first and find out what you have to do in order to keep those conversations going. And um, until that gets sorted out, you know, look, to be clear, Rick, too, Stu Sternberg said he's committed to Tampa Bay. And I don't know what else he's going to say at this stage of the game. But he said he's committed and he, he believes it can work here. I also, again, personal feeling, gut feeling on my part, he doesn't want to be the bad guy in all of this. So maybe he looks to, instead of him talking to another city, maybe, I don't know, maybe eventually sells it and lets the next guy be the bad guy to move him out of town. And Stu ends up owning the Mets or whatever. We've heard that rumors for, for years. So, look, all I know, Rick, is this a bad development. And, and, I, and if you didn't see it coming, then you're naive because th- what did we think? That this thing was going to get wrapped up in three weeks? That all of a sudden financing was going to come, you know, on December 11th, December 12th? We're going to figure this thing out? It's... I don't know who's to blame for it, but it's not a surprise that we're here as far as I'm concerned. If anybody should know how the stadium game is played, it's Tampa Bay. It's the city of St. Petersburg in particular who built the Trop um, as sort of like a way to entice other teams to build stadiums in their own cities. I mean, basically, you know, it was a, it was the New York Gi- or the San Francisco Giants or the Seattle Mariners or the Chicago White Sox that were all going to relocate to Tampa. So – Tom, I lived through something similar to this with the Buccaneers. I mean, Malcolm Glazer was absolutely holding Baltimore as its, you know, sort of as his, you know, chess piece to to play until our Modell took that away. Um, but at the end of the day, it before these deals get done, should we be should we you know anticipate that you know until until they start showing up in other cities and people uh, campaigning for the Nashville Rays or the Las Vegas Rays or, you know, the Charlotte Rays, nothing's going to happen until another, until another alternative appears on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, I think that's ultimately where this is headed. I think now teams are going to start smelling blood in the water or cities going to start smelling blood, blood sure. in the water here. And a city like Montreal or a city like Nashville or Portland or Las Vegas or whatever, whatever other yeah. cities you want to Charlotte. Yeah. Um, they're going to start saying, hey, wait, there might be a team in play here. I saw something interesting on Tuesday, Rick, and I was on MLB Network and I was watching the press conference. I was watching Stu Sternberg address the media talking about Rob Manfred's letter and, and sort of where the, the state of the race was uh, at that moment. And, um, and they cut the press conference short. And Chris Russo, you know, Mad Dog Russo, Mike and the Mad Dog mm-hmm. fame, he has a show, he hosts a show on, uh, on MLB, MLB Network. And he said, and, and, and again, whether you like Chris Russo or not, he's giving a national perspective to all this. And he basically said, okay, let me break this all down for you. Let me tell you what's happening here. And he said, Tampa Bay, and this was just proof to him because Tampa Bay is not interested in baseball. The state of Florida is not interested in baseball. They don't want to pay for a team. They don't support their teams. Why are we in Florida? Why is Major League Baseball in Florida? That's the national reputation here, Rick. And I don't know if that's the if that sort of reputation filters into the commissioner's office and the rest of the owners in Major League Baseball. But that's an, a guy who knows baseball looking at it from the outside. He actually made this statement. He said, other than maybe the Tampa Bay Lightning, I don't know that anybody in Florida cares about sports other than that team and college football. Now, I don't know that I would agree with that. When the Bucks are playing well, the Bucks draw well, and they, you know. But even when the Rays draw well, they don't draw people, and, or when even they play well, they don't draw people. And that's what you know. Again, this is the national perspective, and I think I, if Stu Sternberg ever wants to start sniffing around somewhere else, I don't think anybody nationally is going to stop him on this, including other well, owners. I don't know that they will or they won't, but it seems to me that let me help Russo out a little bit here. Uh, 
isn't Florida one of the fastest growing states in the nation? Isn't it one of the most populous, um, you know, is, in terms of sure. of its of its growth? And what about TV markets? You know, does it matter to them that you have some pretty prominent TV markets because television, after all, is really what pays a lot of the freight in Major League Baseball these mm-hmm. regional regional contracts. So, for those reasons, I would think that baseball would definitely want to be in the state of Florida. I mean, they. They love to train here. Obviously, we know well, that. He mentioned that. State. He did mention spring training. He said, you know, spring training is very popular, but he didn't think that the fan support was there to support baseball. And it would, it would be hard for me to lay out a case that, it, that it's there. And, and Although the Rays will tell you TV numbers are really good and that sort of thing. But, yeah. boy, Rick, I, I just when you see the attendance at these games, and that's what people look at. I, and then you see that no one, want, no one wants to build a stadium. Uh, you know, I, well, the theory has always been that if you build the stadium, they will show up. They will come. If you build a smaller stadium, you know, something that becomes a destination um, that it's closer to the population center of, of Hillsborough County, that that's going to be the, 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 you know, the thing that puts them over the top. Do, did you buy that at all? Do you think location, location, location is the deal? Because I'll be honest with you, from what I hear about what the Marlins did, that's not a great spot where they put that new stadium. No, I, and I think you have to be very strategic about this. There, there are clearly there are places that would draw a little bit more, depending on where you put it. Uh, if you you know clearly people aren't coming to to St. Downtown St. Petersburg to watch this team play, particularly from Hillsborough and Lakeland and 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 even North County. And I can get look. I get that, Rick. I I drive to Lightning games all the time, and it's there are some days it's just a pain in the neck, you know, just gets to the point where I'm like, I don't feel like making the drive tonight. It's 5 o'clock. I've, it's too late. It's a commitment, yeah. Yeah, and all of a sudden I'm in for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Just, just you know, and, and fighting over to Gandy Bridge or Howard Franklin, however I go. So I get that part, but I don't think if you suddenly put the team in Ebor that you're going to go from however many they drew last year at the Trop, whether, I don't, I don't even know what the number was, 18,000, 17,000, whatever. On a typical, on a lot of nights, 11,000. I don't know if you move it to Ebor, other than maybe the first year and sort of the, the newness of it all. I think once you get into years two and three, it's not going to be like you're drawing 32,000. You might draw maybe 3,000 more, 4,000 more. Maybe you get to 20,000. Maybe that's enough. Maybe that's a good number, you know, if you can draw 20,000 a night. But I don't think we would see if they moved to Ebor, suddenly the attendance would jump from 11,000 a night or 12,000 a night up to regularly. 28 30 32 do you no i think there would be a bump though with a new stadium i think there'd be a novelty and then the rest of it depends on how they play and the irony is is that if you look at this team and the way it's constructed now they won 90 games that nobody saw them winning last year right um they did it with an innovative you know sort of opening day pitcher thing and 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 you know acquiring some really good young players now it looks like they have a good core they're talking about spending money on a, on a, on a you know established bat, whether that's Nelson Cruz, whoever. Um, so the so you know, let me ask you this: Do you think it helps in any way if this baseball team suddenly becomes relevant on the field? I think it helps Stu Sternberg's case to move it if they become relevant on the field and nobody still comes. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the way I view it. You know, if they yeah. if if they win, and we've and seen we that before, it. obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when they were winning. 100 games instead of 90, and they were going sure. to a World Series and going to the playoffs every year. And there were, you know, there were some nights they had good crowds. Don't get me wrong. It's not like they were like eight. It's not like the Kansas City Royals on a Tuesday night every night of the year. I mean, there were, there were some weekend series where they drew some good numbers. But, mm-hmm. um, but I, just, I just think this is, a, this is a, look, this is the perfect storm for Stu Sternberg right now. If he ever thought about moving the team, is he's got a good team. Let's see what attendance looks like. He's talked to both sides of the bay. Nobody's handed him a check yet. Nobody's handed him a shovel yet. Uh, I just think if if he ever wants to move the team, I think he's got – this is all lining up to be a pretty good case to move it. Well, yes, and I is. think he will. Look, look, Rick, I don't think they're staying. I, I just don't. Uh, you, have, you have said that consistently even going back, you know, back when we were on the radio and we used to yeah. do the stadium show. It's, you know, the, the easiest – that and Pete Rose is the easiest show to do, right? <laughs> the phones light up. That's right. I should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> um, that's our, my next topic, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but, Keep them out. <laughs> but uh, Lou Pinella, one vote. But, oh, by the way, Harold Baines, too. Are you kidding me? Yeah, really? Are you kidding me? Harold Baines? Okay, he gets in, then all of a sudden Dave Parker's in, Al Oliver's in, Edgar Martinez is in. Just put, put every Harold Baines? Are you kidding me? That's a joke, Harold Baines. Anyway, go ahead. What was your question? My, my question was, 
Baseball has a problem. It's too slow. Its demographic mm-hmm. is too old. It's losing interest. If, if I'm in Las Vegas, I want a hockey team, and I got one. If mm-hmm. I'm in another city, I want an NBA team. Do I really want a baseball team if I'm a city uh, anywhere in the United States thinking that this is the game that's, that's for me? Yeah, I think you make a great point, Rick. If you ask me if I'm a city like Nashville and you have offered me do I can get an NBA team or I can get a Major League Baseball team, I might go NBA at this point. I think everybody, everybody wants a football team. Clearly, that's the Absolutely. You know, NFL's king. There's no doubt it's, about it's that. It's the king. Now, you could make an argument if I have a downtown area and I'm trying to sort of boost downtown that I'd rather have a team that plays 81 nights a year as opposed to a, a basketball team playing 40 nights a year. Um, yeah. So I can, I can draw more people. Even if I draw you know, 20,000 um, for a baseball game, um, and I do that over over eighty one nights. That's way more people than drawing, you know, twenty thousand sure. for for a basketball game every you know half the time. So, sure. I mean, I, th- I still think teams will be interested. I, I know what you're saying about baseball and it being a slow sport, but I think, you know, a city like particularly Montreal. I think Montreal would love to get a baseball team back, and I think there'll there'll be suitors if if Stu Sternberg or whoever Stu Sternberg might sell the team to decided to put it on the market and and open it up for business. You're not surprised by any of this, right? No. I know I'm not. I thought I thought no. the deadline was way too close to when they they trotted out the nice glass drawings of the of the stadium and all, and it just seemed like wait a minute they got to have a deal by the 31st. They have a deal by the 31st, and and the Rays are non-committal about how much money it was. And like, okay, if you put in this much, we'll put in sure. this. Much. They've they've talked in generalities. They don't. They've talked about well, if we get naming rights, we'll we'll put up this right. much money. It's no one's talked about specifics. Not only has Hillsborough County not talked about how much specifically it would be willing to put up, it would it hasn't even begun talking about how it would raise that kind of money or where that kind of money would come from. Mm-hmm. And I think there, I I don't know that there, you know, I don't think anybody was trying to snow anybody here, but I think there was just, you know, I think a lot of people who are really optimistic and a lot of wishful thinking going on without realizing that at some point you're going to have to, you know, hat in hand, going to start asking people for money. And they haven't even gotten to that part yet. And you're not going to do it in three weeks. So, no, this doesn't surprise me at all. All right, Rick, let's just, let's just cut to the chase then. Uh, 2027, 2028. We'll make it 2028. We'll make it a year after the lease just to, just to clear the lease off the, off the uh, schedule here. The year 2028, the Tampa Bay Rays will be playing where? You're not going to buy this, but I, I think they're going to be in Tampa Bay, Florida. I think they're going to be in Hillsborough County. Um, Hillsborough County? Yeah, look, I just think that you know these stadium deals. These 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 are big, enormous deals, right? And, and mm-hmm. um, I've seen it happen in other cities, and, and known people that have, you know, Rich McKay's been in the stadium business his whole life, it seems. And they don't happen until there is a gun to somebody's head. I hate to use that analogy, but that's true. I mean, it's like it's sort of you have to have one foot out the door. You have to have a suitor. Um, uh, some place to go, you know. Uh, otherwise, you're, you know, you're Richard Gere, an officer and a gentleman. You know, I, I got nowhere else to go, <laughs> and and that's and and that's sort of the thing. So I think that they will find that city, um, or that place that is either has a minor league park, um, that they could expand, or you know whether that's whether that's I don't know Nashville. I mean, Charlotte has a fairly recent ballpark that they built up there. There will be some place that will come along and say, yeah, yeah, we could do this. You know, what's another 10 cents on a Las Vegas hotel, right? I mean, you're already yeah, right. paying 30% anyway. Sure. Um, and, and, it, and when that happens, I think people in, in this community, whoever the deep pockets people are, um, will decide, you know what? Uh, we, can't afford, we can't afford to lose this because it would cost us too much to try to get it back. And, you know, it does help business. It does, it does drive the reputation of the area. There's a lot of debate about what the real social significance is of having any of these teams, right? I mean, right, you know, sure. what's the quality of life? I mean, how many people are baseball fans? How many people are even sports fans? I mean, we get caught up in it because it's our world. Right. You know, and I don't know how many readers in the Tampa Bay Times even pick up the sports section, let alone our baseball fans or NFL fans, et cetera. So there's a big debate about that. But I think at the end of the day, people understand money, but they also understand the pressure and it's we're not there yet. We're getting there. This was a significant day because, you know, they 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 reached a deadline and and nothing happened, and so that's right. not a good development. But I think when it comes, they have to have a suitor. You know, 
when and it's not Tampa St. Pete, that's not the battle. The yeah, battle right, right. is isn't regional. It's got to be, you know, Tampa Bay versus Charlotte, Tampa Bay versus Las Vegas, Tampa Bay versus Portland, et cetera, Montreal. When that happens, that's when you're going to find out whether this community wants baseball or not. You make you make a good point. We are not anywhere close to midnight on this thing. I no. mean, it's it's still fairly we still have a fairly long ways to go. And I w- I will agree with this part, Rick, that when you look at Major League Baseball, and even sports in general, particularly Major League Baseball, it's really hard to move a franchise. It, I mean, it's happened, the last time it happened, what, Montreal moved to Washington? That was probably a decade ago or so now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think before that. I mean, I, you or it's Steve. It's been well over be 30 to, years. Baseball, say, baseball well, has a reputation to move teams, but the, the only move has been Montreal to Washington in 05. Yeah, and then before that, I guess years and years and years ago, Seattle had a team, right, that moved to Kansas City, I want to say. Um, and then the Washington had senators moved. So I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. Uh, it's really hard to do. And, and, and Major League Baseball is not quick to do it. Having said that, though, I still, <laughs> I'm sticking with the Montreal plan for me. I, I think they're going to end up in Montreal. But I do agree, Rick, that we won't know how badly Tampa Bay wants a team to keep this team until – until somebody else starts flirting, like seriously flirting with it. All right, let me pivot to a, an organization that does have a stadium and one they put a lot of money into, but nobody's going to the games there either. Um, that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> let me read this passage to you and see if you recognize it. Dirk Cutter isn't going to return as coach of the Bucks next season. That's not official. No announcement has been made. No press conference is scheduled. It's not an absolute fact, not yet. And this isn't a call for his job. It's a prediction, a prediction based on what we're witnessing, a prediction based on history. We've seen this movie before. We know exactly how it ends. It's a lot. It's a lost season limping to a pitiful conclusion, losses piled upon losses. And when it's over, someone ends up getting fired. Did I write that? <laughs> I did not write that. You wrote that one year ago today. Did I really? It sounded like my writing, actually. Yeah, <laughs> one year ago today. Wow, one year ago today. It happened to John Gruden. It happened to Raheem Morris. It happened to Grace Shiano. It happened to Levy Smith. And it feels all the world like it's going to happen to Dirk Cutter. Has so if, anything- I wrote that, if I wrote that column today, would it stand up and hold it? Yeah, absolutely it would, right? <laughs> right? I mean, what is – I mean, you, we were – it's deja vu all over again, is it not? It Are is. Not- it, I, look, I'm looking at this situation, Rick. I personally, and I know – I don't. I don't. I have people are gonna say I'm crazy. I personally would bring him back. I would bring Dirk Cutter back, no matter how this thing ends. They could lose the next three, unless they were just to get absolutely destroyed. But now at you this would point, do that if you're three? the if you're the owner of the Bucks, though, and you're gonna risk empty seats and try to sell it right. and all that. That's, you're okay. That's what with I'm that. saying. You're... No, no. I'm saying I if I owned the team, I'd keep right. him. Okay. But knowing that the Glazers own the team, I don't think he comes back, Rick. I think if they finish with a losing record, I think he's gone. I though would keep him because I like his offensive mind. I like the fa- I think this team's moving in the right direction offensively. Um, I think they you're going to be good on Sunday offensively. Did not, say. did not look too good on Sunday. And I think you're stuck with Jameis. I, I don't think Jameis, I shouldn't right. say stuck with, I don't think they're going to make a change from Jameis. I think, no. I think he comes back. So with all that in mind, uh, I, I, I think I would bring him back, but I, you know, the Glazers better than I do. And Rick, we talk about this a lot. You talk about you got to sell tickets and everything. Do you think a coach matters when it comes to selling tickets? In other words, is that when the Glazers are sort of listing, okay, pros and cons about Dirk Cutter, clearly changing the head coach to a sexier name, whoever that name is, Mike McCarthy or Mike Tomlin if he's available or whomever. Say Nick Saban was available. Does that – Oh, Nick Saban, come does, on now. Well, Nick Saban sells – yeah. But, I mean, does, in general, does it sell tickets – you know, beyond the, you know, beyond training camp, you know? I think, I think it sells hope, and I think that's the business the Bucks have been in for 11 years. I think they've been peddling hope. Um, you know, they were 4-9 and nine a year ago at this time. They're 5-8 and eight right now. Unbelievably, they have like a 9 per 6 or 9% chance, depending on the, on the metrics that you believe in, of still making the playoffs because every team above them lost. 
Yes. Uh, for the final wild card. Now, there's you know, bad news is there's about six teams that are sitting here with you know with six you know six wins. If they could have held on to that win today, Rick, though, where would that number? Imagine where that number would be. And they, where would, they would be on that list. They, you know? If they won one game anywhere this season, they would be at the top of the list right now with Minnesota. They would be yeah. right right beneath the Vikings, who. For all the world look like they're collapsing, and they fired John DeFilippo, who, who's by the way, one of the top head coaching candidates, and he just lost his gig as offensive coordinator in, with the Vikings. So I don't know if that helps him or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they kind of are in, now. You know, they, this whole we had to run the table business to get to nine and seven. Well, you still have to run the table. You still have to go to Baltimore and win there. You got to go to Dallas and win there, and then play Atlanta team that, for all the world, will be circling the drain, sort of the way the Bucks are. So. Nothing has changed in terms of what you would have to do to even be in that conversation. But 8-8, eight and eight, there is a chance gets it to the postseason. I still think the Bucks would be a long shot of that list. And, again, there's too many metrics to even, even, uh, even talk about it. Here's the thing about Dirk Cutter that I would, have, I would like your opinion on is that – so we're, let's say we're in agreement Jameis Winston is coming back. And you mm-hmm. talk about, you know, do people come to see coaches coach? No, they don't. They come to see players play, and they want to see them be successful and win. And, and Dirk has had a good offense at times, although not good enough to win more than five games this year. So, you know, the, and that's after a 2-0 start. Don't forget, 2-0 start, only three wins since. So, right. you know, they're going to have to. Of those three wins, what, how many with Jameis? Like, uh well, yeah, I mean, two of them, I think, but I mean, for anyway, two. but the first two are with hey, the first two are with Fitzpatrick. First two are with so. Ryan Fitzpatrick, so it's yeah. not like they won five games with Jameis. That's correct. So, um, yeah, so but it's a, it's a you know it's a chopped up season. We know what happened with the suspension and all of that. Here's here's what I would here's what I wonder out loud on this podcast is this. So let's assume Jameis is back because I think for all the world he is. For all the things yeah, we've yeah. talked about, it's hard to find a franchise quarterback. You have a fifth-year option. You're willing to put him out there and risk injury now. Why wouldn't you roll the dice for one more season, especially if you think that you know everything that happened at the beginning of the year sort of led up to this point? Does Jameis with Dirk Cutter change anything for Jameis? In other words, we've seen three coaches in Tennessee for Marcus Mariota because they keep trying to save the quarterback, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. If I bring Dirk Cutter back, am I expecting anything different from Jameis Winston? Because it seems to me that Jameis Winston is going to have to be the one that pushes this franchise over the top, or at least that's what people are thinking. So if you're thinking that, do you think then that Jameis just becomes better uh, in year five under Dirk Cutter? When you know, Remember, Dirk Cutter was here one year before he became head coach. So right. he's been in Jameis's ear now for four seasons. And that, that quarterback has not gotten appreciably better. Not to the point where you go, oh, oh yeah, he's there. He's you know, right, the light right, bulb, right. the light is on. So that being said, yeah, would, it's a great question. Don't you think it, that and that that any coach, whether it was McCarthy or any of these gurus, hell, even even if, I mean, I don't know if he brought Norv Turner in with Ron Rivera that gets fired in Carolina. Um, do you think that 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 fans or the ownership would have a reasonable expectation that? Hey, let's see how he does with someone else. You know, it's a, yeah, no, it's a great question, Rick, and I think you do make a fair point there. Somebody brought up that hey, he hasn't gotten a whole lot better in the four years, and I don't know that we look at the last. I don't know how we judge the last three weeks are weird to judge with Jameis because they played two bad teams, but he didn't turn the ball over and they won rather easily, and then they lose to New Orleans and he really didn't turn the ball. He had one interception late that didn't mean anything, but he didn't make any plays either. Didn't make any so plays. We almost criticize them like the first two weeks, like, good, you didn't do anything stupid. And then the last mm-hmm. game, we're like, well, you didn't do anything good either, you know. So <laughs> we, like, you sort of you don't know how to go with Jameis. You don't know how to, how to judge it. But I do think you make a fair point there that that if you are bringing Jameis back, isn't it worth just trying anybody else offensively um, to come in and, and work with him? And maybe he gets appreciably better, you know. So, um, Well, and I think that, of like, you know, point. I mean, you know, Sean McVay, okay, they, they had Jared Goff with the Rams, who was still a very, very young quarterback. But let's face it, Jeff Fisher, you know, day is, is July 9th um, every year and because that was his record, 7-9. 7-9, right, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, but once they got rid of Jeff Fisher and they brought in a guy with the dynamic offense, what happened to Jared Goff? All of a sudden his team, you know, was winning 10, 11 games, 13 games last year. Um, so why wouldn't you have that same sort of mentality – before you chuck the quarterback, 
it's a heck of a lot easier to fire coaches than players, right? Right. And I would be if I'm if if I had the choice, like you have to keep Dirk or you have to keep Jameis. At this point, I'm probably keeping Jameis, you know, and letting mm-hmm. Dirk go. Um, no, it's a good point, Rick, and that's uh, that's where the Glazers are right now. And I would think that. Look, I don't know that the last three games should matter in these decisions. What? So if they win the next, say they win two of the next three, mm-hmm. that means Dirk's uh, uh, seven and nine. So they're seven and nine. So they go seven and nine. They win two of the next three. Well, you won five of the last eight. Right. Or if they lose two of the last three, you're, mm-hmm. so you're going to tell me like, oh, okay, well, because he lost two of the last three, he's no good. But yeah, he won right, two of right, the last right. three, so he's pretty good now. So exactly. I don't know. Maybe the decision should have been made already. What's weird, Rick? And I think I, I think I saw this on your Twitter feed um, on Tuesday, and maybe you remember this. But the other part of this is the how much heat are the Glazers feeling? Like we got to make a move just to to just so the fans are still staying with us because there there were I thought somebody tweeted you like, oh, do they even care anymore? Are they on to soccer? You know, are they looking at Manchester United now? That they aren't even paying attention to what's going on here. Well, rightly think, or wrongly, yeah. there's this reputation that the Glazers no. are bad, really bad owners. You know, so. that's right, and, and absolutely, and, and I mean, you know, ultimately, we know we know the layers of the onion that get peeled. You know, first you you blame the quarterback or the coach; those two obviously are going to get blamed. They got rid of the defensive coordinator, so you know that onions that part's peeled. And then you get finally you get to the GM, you get rid. You know, it's like, well, he don't have good players, and it's his fault. Eventually, they always get back to where where probably the blame belongs, and that is the constant with all these teams, with all this time between playoff appearances, is is the ownership. It's the Glazers. They're not going to sell. You know, people keep saying, "Well, they just just sell it." Well, why would you? I mean, they had they bought it. They bought an asset for $192 million that is now worth almost $2 billion, okay? That's right. just the value, the franchise value going up, not to mention the cash cow that is the NFL. I mean, it, you, know, you don't have to sell a ticket, and you're going to make $80 million a year. Um, so, you know, I'm, not asking you, I'm not asking you personally to, to, uh, to take the other side in this argument, but let me, give me what, the, what maybe some of the fans' perspective is on this because I will, I will play devil's advocate here and say I don't understand the fans' frustration with the Glazers. I look at the Glazers, I look at that ownership, and I know there was the one year where Raheem was here and they, they went cheap. They didn't and they spend any money, yeah. Didn't spend any money. But throw out that year, okay? And I'm mm-hmm. talking since uh, Malcolm Glazer passed away, I mean, and, and was no longer really the owner of the team. Let's look at, at the, the kids since they've truly been the owners of the team. Yep. And I look at it and say, okay, they've maybe they haven't made great hires, but they've tried to make good hires. You know, they've it's not like they they left it's not like they left Marvin Lewis in place for a thousand years, no matter what was going on. They you know, they they made a move from Raheem Morris and they tried you know, at the you know at the time they tr- tried for whoever and they end up with Greg Schiano and they got rid of Greg Schiano and they brought for in Chip Kelly, yeah. I mean tried for Chip Kelly. But then they they bring in Lobby Smith and I think at the time, I don't care. Looking back now, it was a disaster. But look at that sense moment. At the time. Yes. Everybody loved that move at the time it happened. And Love then when Lovey. they fired Lovey, everybody was like, "All right, well, Dirk, let's give Dirk." Everybody loved Dirk. Oh, he's honest. He talks. He speaks. Smart. He's the guy. You know. So I, I look at they spent money. They spent money this past year to JPP. They spent money on they 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 go out and they sign free agents. Um, they've put a ton of money into Raymond James Stadium. They built a training facility that it should attract free agents. I don't know what they've done. It's been so awful. Other than maybe they've they've missed on some hires, but you know that's uh, they've Jason Light. Like that was not a bad hire when you look at it. like Jason Light had worked his way up to a point where he was ready to be a GM for somebody. Um, so what I don't understand the frustration. Again, I'm not asking you, Rick Stroud, to like say to criticize the Glazers or stand up for him, but. As somebody who hears a lot from the fans, I don't get what the gripe is with the Glazers. I, I don't think they're bad owners, you know. So why do so many people think they are? Just because they've lost. I mean, I think losing is the constant, you know, and I think I think that, that you know, they can run through as many GMs or owners or players as they want to, but, you know, you're you're responsible because it's your, it's your asset. You're the one that's selling tickets. You're the one that's uh, trying to attract customers of this product, and the product hasn't been any good. I mean, the evidence of it not being any good is the fact that they have not been to the postseason now in 11 straight years, and they haven't won a game in the postseason since the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, that is forever and a day ago. Um, yes, especially you know, in the NFL, like where everybody makes the playoffs every 
three there years. Are, there are children of the players in the Super Bowl who are ready to play in the NFL right now. And then most yeah. of them are, are still playing in college, but that's how long still. it's been. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're ready to – I mean, that's how long. It's a generation ago. John Lynch's kids at Stanford, you know, as a redshirt freshman. Yeah. Keyshawn Johnson's son played for a little bit at Nebraska. Brad Johnson's son just signed to go to LSU as a quarterback. Um, yeah. You know, these these guys will be – and some are already in the NFL, I'm sure. I'm missing a, a couple, uh, you know. I just, Michael again, Pittman's I just go back – I get that. Like, I get the team's, the team's not been very good, but I just – I don't know that I'm blaming the Glazers for that. And I know but the But who fans else do. do you blame? Who else do you blame? Here's what you blame them for. Not hiring the right people. Now yeah, you can no, go back and true. say that's true. You can you can say, okay, Mark Dominic, was he the best choice of GM for six years? Clearly you not. Know how, you know who has the same record as Mark Dominic today? Jason, Jason Light. Light. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, seems like a good idea. Had a pro scouting background, had a couple good drafts. Look, they hired Lovey Smith, who then hired Jason Light, right? So right. is that a good structure? See, I think a lot of it is structure in the fact that, you know, there are some owners who, who seem connected with other owners in the NFL that seem to be um, sort of, you know, I don't know that groupthink is the best way to go, but they have somewhere to turn when they're trying to make decisions on, on, on who to hire or, right. um, who, you know, who the best people are. The Glazers aren't football people, and, and for that matter, very few owners are. Jerry Jones, maybe. You know what I mean? That's about it, really. Others and have some would some argue s- that all that time he should not he should not have been he a football. Should not he be, should just yeah, have been a notary, yeah. Right, that that's the problem, that he's he's the GM, and that's that's the issue. So, I mean, you have to trust somebody, but ever since Malcolm ceased operation, and, and, and now, of course, he's deceased, you know, the, the whatever that group of Glazer children, heirs, co-chairmen are, have not been able to reach the right decision on – which way to go in terms of hiring coaches? Look, there's been a lot of successful coaches hired in the time that the Bucks have not made the playoffs. Sean McVay was in their building, okay? Yeah. He started there. So did, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan, you know? I mean, there are guys. I, I think if there's one thing I could criticize the Glaciers for, and again, I, I think they've been pretty good owners, and I think they're trying. It's, it's, that I would owners- agree with. I'd rather have owners like that than guys that, like, years ago bid well and people like that. Where That's they, right. Even, they they weren't even trying. to dry, yeah. Right. Or, look, we had, we've had we seen bad owners in Tampa Bay sports history. Oh, yeah. Like Hugh Culverhouse and uh, Vince, Vince Namoli. You know, these guys were just in it for the buck. But yeah. uh, I, I will, if there is one criticism that I would have with the Glazers is that they do tend to, like, get goo-goo eyes thinking about bringing in stars. You know, like... Let's go out and get Bill Parcells. They shoot well, from the sky. Well, they're big game hunter, but what, is that big a game bad, is, but is they, that a bad thing? Probably not. Probably not. Although it's if you're going to be a big game hunter, you better have uh, you still need to eat dinner that night. So you better <laughs> you better have a backup plan if you don't get the big game. You know, another, yeah. And that's where they've run into some trouble. And now. that's where it fell down. That's that, like yeah. you know, For example, you know, Chip Kelly. We're all in on Chip Kelly. Was that the worst idea? Well, he's not coaching the NFL now. He did win 10 games twice for the Philadelphia Eagles and looked like he was going to change the sport. And some of the things he did, including the music and the sleep and all this stuff, is, is being implemented across the NFL, right? Right. Um, but he's at UCLA and not winning squad douche. So there were some holes with Chip Kelly. But he didn't come. And then, you didn't, and then your fallback was Mark Dominic scrambling you know, to talk to his friend in St. Louis where Shiano was secretly interviewing, uh, didn't get the job because Jeff Fisher came. And then you end up with a Greg Schiano. Was Greg Schiano a good hire for the NFL? No, at but, that time, out of Rutgers. No, he wasn't. No, and, and he was in, but he was a name. So I, I see where the Glazers like he we're trying to name. say face instead of saying let's do the smart thing here and hire the next Sean but McVay you, that maybe nobody but you knows. Trusted, but, right? Yeah. You trusted Mark Dominic. So was that the right guy that you went to to say find us the best coach? That's a good point. See, the, to me, that's that's the secret sauce here. Is that why are why is Jeffrey Venick successful? Because he hires people, well, he hired good people, and then they hire good people, and then they hire good people. In other words, he he stays out of, he lets well, hockey people the, run I hockey the, I think the Glazers let them run it once they hire you, but the problem is Steve Eiserman's a pretty good start. Right. You well, and actually, the, the, real, the real good start at first was like Todd Lewicki, who Todd Lewicki. just got, got the team in Seattle. Yeah, so. Exactly right. So there's some of that. So anyway. All right, finally, we'll end on this, and I appreciate your time. Yeah. Is it true that Friday's your last day at the Tampa Bay Times? It is. This Friday is my last day at the Tampa Bay Times. Um, 
but not my last day on a podcast. I hope. I hope you. Heck no, you. no, you're gonna be a regular. But it was weird. It didn't strike me until two uh, Monday night. I was at the Lightning game Monday night. Now I've covered more hockey than anything else, obviously, that I've done in my sports writing career. And about there was about ten minutes left, and I was done. I wasn't really doing anything. I was just watching the game, and I was thought, "Wow, this is weird." And then you and I were. You actually got me like, "Oh, start oh, That's what struck up me. That's, well, see, you stunned me with that whole announcement. We're walking out of Raymond James Stadium on Sunday after the Bucks Sunday night, yeah, lost uh, their game, and and. Uh, Kind of talking to you like uh, I said. So, so you're uh, you're, you're pretty much done because the last game, of course, is in is in January um, or December. Or I think it's December, December late December. December. But 30th, I knew you were, yeah. I knew you were going to go on vacation. I said, so you got well, you got one more game left, or you got, and you go, no, I'm done. And I went, what? Wait, what? <laughs> like. You were like, That's, this is the last time you're walking out of Raymond James <laughs> Stadium. As, like, you know, basically, what you're saying is the last time you have a good enough parking space, like parked right next to the building. You will never be in this building again covering anything. And you know what? Like, I was like, we were joking about it, like we are now. And then I got in the car and I was like, that, wait a minute. That is the last time that I'll be in that, That's in crazy. that press box, probably. And it, yeah, it does. Good. It does. Good. More good. for me. More for me more and for, you. More for me and you. Idiot. What an um, idiot! Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a. Little I don't want to have the funeral, but but it, you got to. I mean, sentimental it's, journey, or how do you feel? Yeah, no, it feel, it feels weird. I'm I'm gonna write a column for the weekend, but it's not gonna be one of those look like I was there when Marty scored the game. Oh, six that's goal. what I, I would do. Oh, that's what there, I'm gonna. You know. I would do that. <laughs> I, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna look ahead. I think I'm gonna look ahead where the Rays gonna end up. What's gonna happen with Dirk? What's gonna happen? With, like that's I, I think that's way more interesting. Prediction like, looking, column. Looking Here's forward. what I yeah, think. Sort of like uh, here are kind all these Gene I've Dixon, covered. kind of a kind of a crystal ball, <laughs> kind of a exactly. But World it's uh, no, it, it is weird. I was somebody was asking me Jay Retcher, you know, who uh, our buddy yeah. from from WDA was asking me, is who's your favorite athlete that you've ever covered in Tampa Bay? And because we were talking sort of about the end of my career, and I said. No, I mean there's a bunch of guys, but I, I would I like Vincent Lecavier is probably my favorite all time athlete that I've really? ever covered. And Lupin, I really liked Lupinel. I like covering Lupinel. He was a lot of fun. Um, but then I started like same thing happened last. I started thinking about like, man, this is going to be weird. There's a part of me that's going to really though enjoy just watching games, like not yeah, you know, not not writing on deadline. I'll miss like I'll, I'll miss the stuff like you and I hanging out on the road together. Like I'll miss that. That's the stuff that I'll miss. I won't miss the games necessarily. I won't miss like covering writing stories on deadline. I'll miss the big stories like like uh, you know if Dirk stays or goes or whatever. Those are fun stories to work on. I mean you, you're working your ass off, but it's like those are because you know people are reading it. You know. Yeah. So I'll miss that. What, stuff. But what I, was, more than anything, was, I'll miss like dinners with you and going out and having beers. The night before games and stuff—that's yeah, the fun part. More the beers than the dinners. What? Um, let me let me ask you this: What, as you look back on your illustrious career, what was the what was the best event you ever covered? What was like the one you go, "Wow, that was," or or, or the best story, so, my, so to speak? My favorite, with? my favorite time in all the sports that I've I I, mean, I did the Olympics one year in, in Salt Lake City, and that was kind of fun, but that was a lot of work. Um, the 2004 Cup run—that was the yeah, most. That yeah. was the most fun. It was a two months working pretty much every day but yeah. there were a ton of people we, we threw a ton of people at that and you, and you probably like and you I don't, I don't i don't know how well you remember the week of the super bowl you only had a week to get ready for the super bowl right when the bucks were in it um yeah there was work, no, there was no week in between yeah like your work but like you probably look back at that like that those couple of weeks there and say like even though it was a ton of work like everybody and their mother was reading those stories you know and that's so that was the fun part for me is that that 04 cup run. You're working hard. It's a significant story. People are reading it. And then you're hanging out with good people, too. There were a lot of beers on that trip <laughs> those two months. But. Well, and that was Edmund. That was uh, Calgary from Tampa. So you yeah. were you were really traveling a lot. And yeah, they went, They started off in uh, – they played the Islanders in the first round, then Montreal in the second round, Philadelphia in the third round, and then Calgary. And then the other playoff runs, like there, a couple of years ago when they went, when they went to play Chicago in the finals – that was a real good run as well. I mean, that, those were fun. But those are like playoff runs. Like that, that was probably my, that was probably my, the other trip. I had a trip to Russia. I hung out with Vinny LeCavier in Russia for five days. And that was me wow. and Dirk Shad, our photographer. And I had a blast doing that. That was probably my other favorite um, fun thing I ever worked on. So. Well, a lot of people are going to miss you, Tommy. I'm not one of them, but I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, actually it's nice. It's going to be a lot of it will it's going to be, be so weird because I mean, you get to you know we've we've been radio partners, of course. We traveled all over the the country together doing doing football games and stuff. 
I do envy you because I think uh, I think you know waking up and going to a regular job, and you're not you're not quitting. You're going to be at the Pointer Institute doing a media column, uh, doing talking to Lester Holt, and you know people way way more important than Dirk Cutter, uh, believe yeah, it or not. Not as so, fun. <laughs> wonder, well, yeah, wonder if Lester, Lester Holt will ever try to choke me out the way uh, Dirk <laughs> threatened to. He never did. He threatened to. Um, Whoa, breaking news here. <laughs> wow. What? See, he's never, <laughs> those are the stories I should tell when I go you, out the that, door. That, that would be my column. My column would be I got everybody on the way out. Why not Why not just let every? Why not just expose? You know what? Statue of limitations be damned. This happened to me. So if it happened to me, I can write it. How about That's that? Uh, that would be true. That would, and see, my thing with Dirk, I just a week ago wrote, I, Dirk should stay. And I said on this podcast that Dirk should stay. So he can't yeah. get mad at me if I told him how he threatened to beat me up a couple of times. But um, but I know, I, hopefully you'll still have me back on a podcast. You no, know, we're going to be regular. In fact, you're regular. You, you can't. No, I love I now. love coming on. And keep, I, yeah. the, the fun part, like I said, is uh, I'll be watching games now without having to, I can leave when they're over. <laughs> I don't have yeah. to stay another two and a half hours. I hear you. Having said that, I'll see you in a few hours at a TV station nearby. That's right. We'll keep doing it. Somebody's going to pay us. We'll keep doing it, man. (laughs) (laughs) Taking checks. Thanks, buddy. See you, man. Always great to have Tom Jones. I'll miss him on the road, but we'll keep him here on this podcast, and uh, we'll make that a regular thing, of course. We'll get more updates tomorrow on the Rays Stadium issue if there's uh, anything to add there. Some bowl games are starting up this weekend. We'll get a preview from Matt Baker, our college football writer, for the Tampa Bay Times, and the Lightning are preparing for their big game against Toronto on Thursday. And then the Bucks return back to work, and they're getting ready to play the Baltimore Ravens to see if they can get to 8-8 eight and eight and maybe make it interesting here down the stretch for the final wild card spot. So, got lots to talk about this week. We're glad you guys join us. We're here every Monday through Friday. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 